and welcome to the Dad Mindset Show. I'm your host, Richard Bolas, and each episode I explore different perspectives on fatherhood with the aim of becoming less bad at being a dad. This episode, I talk with an old friend of mine, Matt Thomas, and we go into his experiences from losing his mother while he was at university. It was amazing how many friends I had at university who had lost parents who we didn't even know about. You know, there was two or three, you know, who you were really good friends of ours. To bringing up his two children. So, Matt Thomas. Hello. Great to have you on the show, buddy. I know. Well, it's lovely to be here in your studio. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's a <laughs> great it, view. It's a fantastic view, I think. It is. I haven't seen a view like this in ages myself. How would you describe it? Rural. <laughs> Very rural. Yep. With a hint of tarmac. <laughs> yes. And we're in the, the sound booth with four wheels. Yeah, and a sunroof. <laughs> so, Matt Thomas, you grew up in Warrington, just outside Manchester. Tell us a bit about that. Um, It's not a very interesting place, Warrington. It's kind of like Bridge North, but with a massive factory in the middle. Because it was where, um, uh, I think it was Lever, made, they made soap uh, and they made wire once upon a time. The uh, the rugby league team was uh, nicknamed the wire because um, it was um, yeah famous for cable and wireless. I think it was a big factory. So yeah, it's just a pretty boring northwest industrial town halfway between Manchester and Liverpool and no real redeeming features about it. What were your parents like growing up? Both were teachers when they met, and then my dad kind of worked in local government. My mum was a career, well, after she, um, when, when me and my sister could sort of look after ourselves, she retrained as a careers teacher. So, um, yeah, they were pretty good, pretty, my dad was very sport-driven, um, played a lot of rugby, did a lot of running, uh, played a lot of golf. Uh, my mum just had lots of friends and just kind of was just, uh, you know, a good mum, kind of cooking, you know, looking after you and doing that sort of stuff, and, uh, you know, sort of... Yeah, I guess they were, it, I don't know, in hindsight, it's kind of like, how do you answer that question? They were both, we didn't get beaten. Yeah, we, we, got, we made it. We got fed lots, <laughs> I'm still here. I think I've grown up with a with a half-decent moral compass. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, yeah, I would say that, but I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah. Is there anything that stands out that you, you like what they did as parents? Or that you wouldn't like to do that they did as parents? Nothing really springs to mind. I mean, I guess my mum was quite brave when she was older. She retrained. She sort of probably at the age of 40, maybe, maybe 40-ish. She went back to university. Uh, no, sorry, she went back to college. Uh, first of all, she decided she wanted to learn Latin randomly. So she went off and did A-level Latin with a friend of hers, um, just to like a night class. Um, she went off on like um, painting um painting sort of uh, retreats and sort of rediscovered I think a love of art that she had when she was younger that she probably uh, sort of shelved when we were when me and my sister were young and then she retrained as a careers teacher um, because she wanted to get back into working and I don't know why careers teaching sort of grabbed her but I was probably only 16 or 17 at the time Um, so yeah so I guess she was um, you know it's a big step I guess at at that sort of age to go back to university back to college and and, and retrain for to start a new career in, in your sort of 40s. Uh, and my dad just kind of sort of ticked on really with, with his job sort of in, in local government, sport and leisure development. Um, it was quite cool because he was in charge of most of the leisure centres in around Warrington. So summer holidays were spent doing like sports camps 
um, you know, lots of swimming on the weekends and that sort of stuff, uh, just because we had access to all these, you know, all these swimming pools and other bits and pieces. So, so I guess we were lucky, me and my sister as, as kids and my friends, because you know they get sort of tag along, um, that we got to do lots of things like that, really. Um, but yeah, they weren't they weren't sedentary parents. It wasn't a lot sitting on the sofa watching TV. It was kind of it was always always up and active, active holidays, uh, camping holidays and that sort of stuff. So I think that's probably a good thing. They weren't, you know, um, there was always stuff going on, you know. Where, and where I, did you normally go on holidays? France. <laughs> uh, France for um, many years when we were little. And then my mum's aunt and uncle retired to Spain. And then, so we used to go out and stay with them for a couple of weeks every year. Uh, and then... That was it. That probably took us up to about the age of 17, 18 to the point where me and my sister didn't want to go on holiday with our parents anymore. Kind of went to university and you start going away with your mates, don't you? And, um, you know, we did sort of stuff in university, kind of, you know, holidays, sort of adventure training sort of stuff. That became my sort of summer holiday, sort of scuba diving in Cyprus and, uh, you know, walking in the Alps and sailing and that sort of stuff. So um, I stopped going on holiday with my parents at that point and, yeah, sort of wanted to do more, more active things as opposed to... My dad likes lying on a beach. When he goes on holiday, as much as he's an active person, when he goes on holiday, he would just kind of quite happily lie on the beach, sunbathing for for a week, two weeks, and just relax and just switch off. So, uh, so that's never been my never been my thing. So, school, what was that like? Um, I would say uninspiring, for the best part. I wasn't really a good student until I sort of hit late twenties, and I kind of worked out what I wanted to do. So school was pretty probably frustrating for my parents i would think because i didn't put the effort in i got shocking results at a levels shocking results at sort of um gcse's uh, in comparison to my mates anyway um and then i was really lucky that my mum was a careers teacher and found me this course at a place called the university of glamorgan where you needed no qualifications to get in <laughs> <laughs> um, you just had to go and do like a foundation year, which was a uh, um, the equivalent of two A levels. And what, so was, what was the course? It was science, engineering, and technology foundation year, and that was going to get me on to do my degree of choice, which was geology and mineral surveying at the University of Glamorgan in South Wales. Um, yeah, so it was. I, I think I was. Yeah, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, just kind of drifted. I went to uni because all my mates went to uni. Uh, probably should have just gone and got a job. That would have been better and then gone back to university later, which is what I did ultimately. But when I kind of actually knew what I wanted to do and then, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I would have had come away with less debt and um, certainly probably, you know, the frustration that I sort of caused my mum and dad, I think probably wouldn't have been there. It was a big push in our time though, wasn't it? University or bust? I think if your parents did it, you f- not felt obliged to, but you felt that was the that was the path you took. If you had professional parents, that's what they aspired for you. But I think if you had working class parents, maybe who just got out and you know started grafting at sixteen, seventeen, then maybe that's what their parents thought was the best path for for their kids to take. So I think it, it kind of it sort of swings around about, doesn't it? Really, I think for me, I always felt like it was what I should be doing, um, but whether it's what I should have done is is another matter. Certainly, Mrs. Anderton, who was the head of the sixth form basically didn't think I should do A-levels. Really? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck does she know? <laughs> Turns out quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so she wasn't your favourite teacher, I take no, it? No, she wasn't any of my teachers, but she was head of the sixth form. So, um, yeah, I think I remember when we went to um, the sixth form open day with my parents, 
and you know she she recommended that I should be doing like maybe a couple of AS levels and maybe one A level. My parents went, well, that's got a maximum number of so many points. You'll never get into a good university with that. And I think the look in her eyes was, you know, well, that's probably the best he's going to get. So <laughs> this is my recommendation. My parents kicked up a fuss and she went, well, fine, if that's what you want to do, he can do it. Um, and so I did geology, biology and um, chemistry at A-level with general studies, just for good measure, and um, promptly failed them all. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. I got kicked out of chemistry before I got the chance to sit it. So, <laughs> How did that um, come about? Uh, not my fault, actually. Just totally um, a victim of circumstance, should we say. I went on loads of uh, open days for universities, and they happened to go all be on like a Wednesday or whatever it was, which was the same day as the chemistry sort of one of my chemistry lessons and so having missed maybe three on the bounce for various open days went back well it's a fox that's right sorry it's a but you don't often see a fox from your studio not not many people would have a <laughs> fox walk across the studio window no um yeah so i went back and the teacher sort of said where have you been and we had this big conversation about what i've been away and this and that and that kind of spurred a conversation around actually do you think you know, really, are you are you going to pass? Should you do this or should you really focus on the other A-levels you've got? And so we kind of agreed that I would step aside um, and focus on my other three remaining subjects. Gotcha. Which went really well. Yeah. And then you went to University of Glamorgan. Yep. Traforest. Yeah. And so did the foundation year mm-hmm. off into there. So then moved across to Cardiff, didn't you? So I did the first year the degree, geology and mineral surveying, um, and uh, and it was around that sort of time that, you know, we mentioned before that my mum sort of got ill with cancer and died and went through a bit of a sort of a, a, an interesting sort of period. Uh, and then I dropped out of that course and transferred to a different course that was in Cardiff. So instead of, it's only 20 miles down the road from Trafalgar to Cardiff, but that's when I, uh, I transferred to um, the University of Wales Institute Cardiff, where I um, finished off, sort of did a... Finished off with a hotel catering and institutional management qualification. Year in the States, year in New York, working over there. And um, that was it, really. Yeah, and obviously it was a massive, like a hugely tragic situation of your mom passing away when you at uni. Like, how did you actually cope with that at the time? Um, I don't really know, to be honest. It's one of those, it's just a funny thing, really, because it's, you're only, I was 21 at the time. Um I was probably in a little bit of uh, naivety, really. I didn't. I don't think I knew anyone else at the time whose parents had had cancer. Um, so from when she wrote me the letter in the February to when she died in the December, I was kind of just away studying. And she kind of probably, if she was, if she was really ill, she sort of hid it from me and my sister. My dad might have known a bit more, but you know, we weren't really sort of told how bad things were until sort of until towards the end really sort of when she was going back in for various tests and then sort of it was sort of early December really so around my birthday so um yeah it was all a bit it was all a bit of a shock and then I was at home for maybe a month six weeks probably over um over Christmas and uh, uh an early part of the new year before going back to university so it was sort of I guess it's distractions you sort of immerse yourself back into back into university life and um back in sort of what we were in the territorial army and various bits and pieces and just kind of getting on with stuff really you just kind of get on with life really because life doesn't unfortunately stop um my sister disappeared back off to her university to see her friends and and 
yeah we kind of both i guess sort of left my dad sort of at home sort of trying to get on with his life and work and everything else so um yeah i don't because they didn't really speak to anyone else about it it wasn't really you know it was funny actually because when when we went back to you know when it all happened you got cards from various people and it was amazing how many friends i had at university who had lost parents who we didn't even know about you know there was two or three you know who you were really good friends of ours I remember getting cards from and thinking, "Wow, I didn't know that you know she and she had both lost their their fathers and another another good friend of ours had lost his dad." So it was, um, so yeah, it was it was all very, uh, it was um, it was a, a very sort of uh, enlightening time, if you like, and uh, just yeah, weird really. How do you think your your dad coped with it all? <laughs> um, again, I don't really know. I mean, I. <sighs> friends drinking um immersing himself back into various things golf rugby you know just kind of getting back on with work and um he had really strong social connections didn't he yeah he had a really good my mum had a really strong network of friends that sort of rallied around him and he had some really good friends as well that kind of stepped in all his family had done his south wales so he didn't have family on the doorstep um and i don't think he was particularly close to my mum's side of the family um so it was it was a it was a strange one i think I think you just try and you just try and carry on. I mean, it's going back sort of twenty. Oh, I was twenty-one, so twenty-three, twenty-four years now. So um, it's been, you know, I'm trying to remember. Sort of, I just kind of, yeah, cracked on really, as you do. Sort of, um, yeah, just trying to get on with, trying to trying to forget, I guess, trying to carry on with your life and just trying to remember that you know, yeah, sort of. Unfortunately, shit happens, and you have to, um, yeah, try to get on with it. Um, yeah, it's a funny one. So now, Matt, you're a husband and father of two. Yep. Tell us a bit about your family. Um, me and Rhiannon, we've been married for eleven years. As we were saying earlier, we're just going on our tenth wedding anniversary. Um, <laughs> it's taken us a year to get babysitters. Um, but we're going to Amsterdam in a couple of weeks for a, for a long weekend away. Two nights in Amsterdam, so that should be fun. We've got two kids, Rowan, who's just turned five, and Charlotte, who is seven, sort of going on 17. As um, I think is the way with little girls, isn't it? They all want to be old before their time. They and, and they look way older than they should. It's ridiculous. She was sitting on her bed last night reading um, uh, reading one of her books for doing her homework, and it was just like, you're not seven. You can't be seven. You just kind of, you know, she's just so grown up sitting there kind of, you know, quite sort of you know responsible gotta do my homework so sitting there and uh yeah just kind of yeah she just all of a sudden like these little glimpses when they just kind of look like or they, something comes out of their mouth and just think how old are you again <laughs> you know are you sure you're only seven so uh yeah so yeah seven and five seven and a half and five so um pretty chaotic loads of energy the pair of them they never stop um stop fighting stop uh arguing stop bouncing on the trampoline just um whatever they're just they are full-on high energy yeah <coughs> yeah they're both um they both love sports um yeah they just don't stop <laughs> what, yeah. what's your favorite activity with the kids <laughs> um well, i really love and because rowan is great for watching films with <laughs> Because you can just sit on the sofa, snuggle up, and he will sit there quite happily, kitchen, and watch a film. 
Charlotte, it's like trying to like you know, wrestle a cat. She just doesn't want to be. She'd quite happily watch you know a film with you, but she sort of you know Charlotte's good for doing. Um, well, they're both good for doing outdoor stuff. They're better separate. You know, <laughs> you get them together and critical mass everything becomes a competition he's got more of those and she's got or he's done that and i want to do that or he did that twice i've only done it once it's just kind of they're they're better apart for the most part they all they get on well together but you know for the most part they're um when you if you want to do something nice and calm and and uh successful you know divide and conquer so I kind of tell Rhiannon, sort of, you know, you go one way with one, I'll go one way with another. I don't care which one it is, because apart, they are, they're brilliant. Together, you know, I pick them up from school most days from the childminder, and within 10 seconds of me getting them in the car, they're fighting. You know, Charlotte will be telling me something Rowan did at school. Rowan will be telling me something that Charlotte did. He had one biscuit from the childminder. She got two. It's just, it's bonkers. So, um, so yeah, so, I mean, I love taking them out for walks. They love adventures. Um, going to the beach is great fun because it doesn't matter whether it's chucking down with rain, whether it's January or September or whenever. They'll just they just love charging around open spaces. Um, yeah, there's probably not really not really one favourite thing to do. It's just just getting best thing to do is when you when you can go away and you've got nothing else to uh, distract you. So when you're on holiday, you got no work, you got no emails, you got nothing else getting in the way. Just kind of like not the post work kind of post school time because you've got Homework, bed, bath, just weekends, nothing on the clock. Just go and yeah, have some fun, basically. What What would you say is the best holiday you've been on with the kids? <laughs> um, we're really, really dull. <laughs> so we went, when Rowan was born, he was about three months old. Uh, we were trying to find somewhere to go. And for Rhiannon, it's not holiday if you don't go abroad. So, see, there was no kind of like, let's just get into West Wales or get into Cornwall. Even though we had been to Cornwall with Charlotte when she was about four months old, um, Rihanna wanted to go abroad. So, I set my ground rules. She set her ground rules. How uh, complimentary were they? No, they're not, they weren't bad. I said no more than an hour and a half driving the car, either side of a, of a ferry. And it had to be a ferry because there's so much shit you got to take with kids, isn't there? You know, when, especially <laughs> when they're that age, you know, they're prams and nappies and sterilizers and... God knows. So I said, so we're going in the car. It'll be a ferry, maximum hour and a half to two hours on the other side so the kids can <coughs> won't go crazy. Um, so we found this little place uh, in Brittany, a, a bit of Brittany called the Emerald Coast, and it's called uh, Emerald Coast Sheets, and it's amazing. They're the guys I was telling you about earlier on, Leslie and Simon. Uh, so we went there the first time around, and Rhiannon chose it because it had a bar. So... Um, it had a, a little jeet and then, you know, depending on which one you were in, the one we were in was closest to the bar and you walked out your front door of the jeet, you took three steps across some gravel and you're in what, an what's old... A, what's a jeet? A jeet is like a little French cottage, little French kind gotcha. of like sort of... Um, I think this is an old farm that was had outbuildings converted into little cottages and the, the bakery was converted into a little cottage and they put some big like glamping tents up in a field, but they didn't have those the first year we were there. So these little, little French jeets, this is a little two-bedroom thing. So you come out your front door... Lock it up nice and secure. That fox is back. And um, and uh, you're in the bar. So that was Rihanna's criteria. I'm going there because it's got a bar. I want to feel like I'm on holiday. So we had a week there. And then, lovely week, great time, left. Next year, what are we going to do for holiday? 
oh, I can't be asked to plan anything. Let's just, should we just, was it good? Should we go, just go back to that place again? So we've been for our sixth year this year. We've, been back. <laughs> <laughs> we've booked for the seventh year next year. We've booked two weeks next year. We're going back half If term. we book nine years in a row, can we get a book <laughs> discount? Well, you do. If you book it while you're there, you book your next year, stay while you're there. You get, uh, I think they give you like 10% off, maybe, maybe 5% off. But um, every year we've gone back. We've never booked it. We've just kind of like, we've kind of, we've always thought we'll go somewhere else. And then um, we've never done it. They're like the last minute, we've kind of gone, "Oh fuck it, let's just go back to Emerald Coast Sheets and just just." To, and now Leslie and Simon are friends, and it's just when you go there, it's just so relaxing because you know it. As soon as you're driving through the gate, literally, you shut the gate, and the kids go feral. There's trampolines, there's bikes, there's there's basketball hoops, there's ping pong tables, climbing frames, there's a pool, but it's all nice and secure and locked up. Um, and there's a soft play thing there, and they just go. And literally, you'll unload the car, sit there at the front with a beer. Where are the kids? Who cares? They're happy. We're happy. They know where they are now because they've been there for so many times. It's like their second home to them, you know, and, and it's great. So to say what's the best holiday, we've only really been on one holiday. You know, <laughs> last year was the first year we went somewhere different as well as that. We went to Austria for a week, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, but they've got, this place has got the, some of the best beaches in the world and they're fucking empty. Literally, we've been going there for years and you're turning up at these beaches. It's like 28 degrees and you're looking around, you're going, where is everybody? Does everyone, does, do people know this beach is here? Seriously, this is fucking awesome. And yeah, and Leslie would say, well, there's just so many good beaches that, you know, the French will come out when it's holidays or when it's the school holidays, they'll, they'll get a bit busier. But where you're, when you are now, which is normally sort of like uh, half term, Easter half term, no, it's pretty quiet, you know, and they're just stunning. So, yeah, the kids run free, great beaches, crabbing, great food, great drink, you know, lovely people. Yeah, it's just, um, it's, yeah, it's really boring because <laughs> we've gone back every single year, but it's easy. Really comfy. It's comfy. And you know what? If the kids are happy, you can relax. My biggest fear is you go somewhere and the first thing you've got to do is recce the place because you're like, right, where where are the exit points? Where are they going to escape? <laughs> you know, is the pool secure? What's the playground like? You know, just so for this place, it's just, they guys make it so easy for you, for parents going there. It's just a breeze. Um, so, yeah, we've been back there every single year. Um, last year was the first year we went somewhere different as well. We spent a week in Austria. Um, again, friends of ours, Gareth and Mitch, recommended this hotel and you know it was it was great but the kids had never been to the mountains before so going up into the the austrian tyrol kind of it was it was cool they were like wow just like going up on the big trains up into the hills and going across on the cable cars um rihanna hates heights and i'm really unsympathetic (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah, so the kids are staring out the window. I'm going, come on, Ree, look out the window, look at these views. She stood right in the middle of the cable car, surrounded by people, so she can't see anything. So she's just kind of like, you don't fucking get this. I'm not enjoying it. Just leave me alone. <laughs> this we'll is not my happy face. <laughs> this is not my happy face. So, um, yeah, so we went, we did a we had a week there, which was which was awesome. Um, really, just somewhere new and different. But yeah, it was really nice. But I just like getting the kids out um, outdoors. Yeah, outdoors and. Uh, I don't like, I'm not, I'm not a huge, like, I don't like, like, really crowded resorts and busy places. It's just not me. So I'm just kind of anywhere that's a little bit different, a little bit, you know, um, yeah, a little bit quieter. So it's, uh, it's good. So, yeah. <laughs> Any um, hacks for traveling that sort of, uh, other side of the ferry? 
Um, well, the kid's pretty good after having a rest outside the car. I hate it because I never had it, but like the iPads are kind of like just gold. <laughs> yeah. You know, we lost the iPad. Let, let's go buy another one quickly. Headphones as well. <laughs> headphones kind of now they're both because they both want separate iPads to watch separate things on. So they've got to have headphones. Um, get that old parental lock on for Rowan because he can't like keeps pressing the screen and keeps pressing pause and stop and pause and stop, you know, so you can sort of lock it. So he just watches a film all the way through. But no, just keep them busy. Um, I mean, as I say, we've gone back to these places because we know an hour and a half, two hours in the car, the kids can do. It's like going to see friends at home. It's like going to see family. It's not, you know, it's not a biggie. This year, we are going to Germany and Austria, and we're driving. <laughs> I may have bitten off more than I can chew. <laughs> How many hours do you reckon it's so, going to be? So, if you believe Google, um, it's about four hours, 45 minutes from Calais to Centre Parks in Germany. And then it's another... We got a week there, then it's five hours from Centre Parks in Germany down to Austria, where we're going for another week, and then we're going back <laughs> the big without the without <laughs> the stopover. So um, we'll drive back, stop somewhere for a night, and then get a train. So that's going to be interesting because they they um, they don't work well in in an enclosed space together for too long, you know. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean. Don't give them too much sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just keep them busy. I mean, they they they're both quite happy to sit there drawing and read. Just make sure everyone's got one of each, right? That's your pencil case. That's your pencil case. That's your book. That's your book. And you they're know, identical. That's your water, and they're identical. That's your water. That's your water. Sort of thing. So they've got one of their own things, and there's no kind of arguing over who's got what that I haven't got and everything else. So it's um, I just break it up. You know, it's kind of you know the motorway service stations over there are pretty good. Um, kids play areas, feed them, and and whatever else. So it's um, it'll be interesting. I'm looking for some hacks myself for uh, <laughs> for people who've done long distance car journeys with kids because I've the longest we've done is probably to my it's to Matt and Pips down in um, some friends of ours that live in Kent. Now it's about four hours away, maybe. Um, so yeah, um, probably the longest journey we've done um, with them. But well, that was okay. You break it up once, and then normally, as I say, they're they're pretty good. Time it right. Yep. <laughs> time it right. Right time of day. Now, um, what advice would you actually give yourself just before you became like the, before you first born? Looking back, what do you wish someone would have told you? Um, I'm quite laid back. Anyway, um, I wish someone had told me my wife wouldn't be that laid back. <laughs> She'll worry about anything and everything. Uh, if there's anything to worry about, yes, add it to her list of things to worry about. Um, but no, it's it's new to everyone, isn't it? And kind of, you you don't know what you don't know at the end of the day. Um, so I probably would have taken things a lot easier, you know, just try to worry a bit less. Because as you know, as you know they're relatively self-sufficient babies they, they'll cry when they want something I'm crying I'm either hungry or need my nappy changing that's it you know it's kind of the challenging part comes I guess when they can communicate you know with you and they can tell you what they uh, what they do or don't want and then you have to rationalise with them <laughs> say, <laughs> yeah. say why well, you can't have a gun with real bullets Rowan um, <laughs> so yeah so you know early days just try not to worry 
you're not going to get any sleep. You're going to be really tired. Uh, you're going to be stressed. Um, but just try and like, if you feel if you feel it's getting on top of you, take five minutes, step out of the room, go for a walk. You know, just kind of get some fresh air because um, cause it's a very long road. <laughs> it certainly is. Do Do you have any sort of role models or were there any parents that you looked at and went damn they've got it wired tight um i don't know really i mean i try and think because we you guys were in australia so we didn't really sort of see how you know what was going on with you guys and annie um some friends of ours had probably they had, had two kids before for we had so darren and esther so they you know so they were um they were pretty far down that road um no, I, I guess not really. I mean, what do you think? Parents? I mean, I wasn't, I was, I guess I was around when I was, you know, my dad and when I was there, but, you know, I had no real memories of what was going on. But um, no, I think I just kind of went at it with my own kind of attitude of, of how I thought I should do it, you know. I knew that I didn't want to be a stagnant parent. I knew I wasn't going to be kind of like, uh, it's all your job, Rhiannon, kind of leave it to you sort of thing. It's going to, you've got to share the workload you know because she'll be knackered um around and breastfed both of ours i remember in the early days when she'd be sort of breastfeeding through the night oh wireless headphones really good investment when uh when rihanna would be feeding through the night and about five o'clock in the morning uh, i'd probably take charlotte off and i'd go and sit down on the, on the sofa in the living room and um i'd like binge watch the wire or the sopranos <laughs> but bluetooth headphones were a godsend because i could just sit on the sofa and just put the headphones on charlotte would be asleep in my chest sort of wrapped up in my dressing gown uh and that was it and i just give around like two or three hours of uninterrupted sleep and i watched two or three hours of uninterrupted sopranos two or three hours of uninterrupted you know sort of gang mafia <laughs> sort of warfare and it hasn't run off hasn't rubbed off on charlotte you know Sub, that subliminal kind of uh you know she didn't pick, well, up, a, it was, she didn't it pick was, up a Brooklyn accent. It was you walking out in a dressing gown to pick up the newspaper at the end of the drive. <laughs> yeah, Tony exactly. Soprano. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's um, you've got to share the workload. I mean, because as I say, you're both going to be knackered at different times, and you're both going to have different flashpoints and different things that stress you out. Um, Rhiannon definitely worried about more things than I worried about. So I think, and she recognised that. She she often say, you know, what what does worry me? I think I worry, I worry more now about accidents and things things that i can sort of things that i can see happening that happened to me so one of my pet hates is running in crocs <laughs> i can just see it i can just see the trip and the sliding across the tarmac and having to pick out bits of grit and gravel from knees and elbows and whatever so so far it hasn't happened but i'm paranoid about things like that um just accidents that you can stop that you yeah. can sort of see happening kind of trying to teach your kids that you know don't do that because you're going to fall off that wall you know, and, and it'll hurt, you know. Um, I get into trouble with Rihanna because I'm not very sympathetic. So if I've told them <laughs> not to do something and they do it and they fall off the wall and it hurts, I'm like, well, I told you not to do it. <laughs> you know, Rihanna's going, he's four. I'm like, yeah, he can, you know, comprehend. He, 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 understands, he understands everything you're exactly. saying. <laughs> I said, don't do that because you might fall off. But um, so, yeah, so uh, I often get in trouble for my lack of sympathy. Um but yeah, going back to the newborn thing, just I, th I just find your own way, work on your own instinct. Because you know we've been doing this for thousands and thousands of years, and kind of you know we've got to where we've got to just by following, I think, our instincts. Um, and everyone has different 
different ways they think their kid should be raised and how they treat a crying baby, how you treat a hungry baby, you know, how you want to sort of, you know, tell your child off. Um, yeah, just do what feels right to you. That would be my, that'd be my advice. Awesome. Take your own path. <laughs> well, thanks, Matt. It's uh, been a pleasure chatting. I know we've got to get going, so uh, I appreciate your time. Bye for now, mate. No worries, mate. Thanks ever so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, check out the website, thedadmindset.com. In the meantime, enjoy your caffeinated beverage.